Ron and Don from radio to real estate. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. When you're ready to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with the guys, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. Now here's those boyhood friends, Ron and Dave. I mean, Ron and Delbert. I'm just kidding. Here's Ronna and Donna. <laughs> All right, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 142 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill. We're live from the shores of South Lake Union, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. Hey, a lot going on today that we have to get to, including the fact that it seems like Carmen Best is no longer the best to be the police chief here in Seattle, and Pac-12 games are all about to get canceled. Uh, Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Right now, I am wearing a neck gaiter. Uh, some new research out. If you know what a neck gaiter is, you, chances are you probably wear this when you go skiing or if you do some trail running like I do when we're out and about. This is one of the things that we're supposed to wear so we don't spread COVID-19 with others. Some new research out today, though, said you may be better off just not wearing anything at all because a neck gaiter, you end up coughing in that. Then you wear it around your neck and you basically take COVID-19 with you if you have it wherever you go once you expose it in your neck. <laughs> Neck gator. So you may look cool, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you may just be better off not wearing it. Are you going to abandon it. the neck gator? Well, they say bandanas are kind of ridiculous. The neck gator is kind of ridiculous. And if you can basically see through it, uh, which you can with mo- most neck gators, uh, then it's really just mass theater, though. I think when you're out running or you see people wearing neck gaiters when they're riding a bike. Uh, I do want to err on the side, though, because they have been doing these meta studies. This is still debated in the United States. And the, the science is in overall. Wearing a mask, any sort of mask, even the neck gaiter, is better than not wearing anything. And so I do want to push back a little bit because I'm still getting people that I talk to and I still get emails and I still see it everywhere on social media about somehow equating personal freedom with not wearing a mask. We even had a, a, a gentleman running for the Republican seat of the governorship here in the state of Washington that's anti-mask and it's somehow an assault on our freedoms and liberty if someone tells you to wear a mask and so when you look at meta studies around the world which is uh, taking all of the studies we have available and looking at it that it is positive and so to go ahead and wear it and here's the thing not with the neck gator though that's the new research but here's the thing it's still better than nothing not with the neck gator though the the research says it's not true the neck gator says it's you're better off not wearing a mask well the the thing that uh, people are seeing is if you are a hardcore scientist You want the gold standard as a double-blind, peer-reviewed study. Problem with that is, and so if you don't have that, what you'll find, these people that are sending me articles, well, look at this, where this scientist said it. It's like, you cannot do a peer-reviewed, double-blind study when it comes to an outcome being death. And so normally, if it's like, hey, I'm testing this new pain reliever, I'm going to take uh, uh, this group A and group B, one of them gets a placebo, and we're going to see how much pain reduction there is with the placebo effect versus this actual pain relief. You can't do that when it's like, hey, I'm going to take 10,000 people, 5,000 of you have no protection at all, and the consequence is some of you are going to die from COVID-19, and then the other ones, we're going to see if you live. It's unethical to do that experiment, and so what you have to do is take these anecdotal experiments 
where you might have a, a, a state like Georgia or like Florida that resisted wearing masks. And so you're just going to take the raw data of this artificial um, experiment and see what the results are. And so now they have they've have enough of these from around the world where they're doing anecdotal studies because, again, we can't put you in the control group where you're going to die if we're right. So that's an unethical study. So what we're seeing, though, uh, worldwide is that the mask use does help. It is good for you. It is something that we should all be doing. And if we ever want to get through this uh, in the United States of America, we need to adopt mask wearing so i will grant you that maybe the gator thing is not the greatest so we'll get you a, a cloth mask before you leave here well, i have cloth masks and i have gator masks and and to be honest with you i wear cloth masks sometimes that i've probably already worn 15 times and they're not doing much good so i should probably pay more attention to that because my masks just end up in my vehicle just up in the the sun visor and i just pack them up there and then sometimes i'm in a different vehicle or i'm out in a dump truck and i have masks up there and who knows if somebody else has been wearing the mask because it's a shared vehicle so uh in a lot of ways at my house the mask is 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 theater and i need need to do a better job at making sure that Let's i'm wearing make it musical theater that i'm wearing the right you mask. can write a song and then i was thinking the other day just about all the garbage that we are creating right now because we are staying at home we're getting all these amazon packages we're getting all this takeout and then we're taking these masks and we're wearing them one time and we're throwing them in a garbage dump we are creating a lot of garbage right Can now during, you, COVID, I, I, during covid19 i turned into that guy so i'm the hoa president of my building and there's a dumpster that you've seen because you're kind enough sometimes to take my trash out when it's full and i appreciate that and so you know two things happen a every dog walker on the street thinks that that's their poop bin and so a lot of them don't even open up the dumpster they just set their dog poop on the side of the dumpster which is super annoying yeah then the other thing that happens is you're right we're getting so we're getting way more garbage than we normally get because most of the time people are at work and they're throwing their garbage away at work and so um the first time someone's q-tips missed the Missed the bin. Here we go. And so there was Q-tips and a bunch of crap on the ground. Oh, no. So it sat there for about a week. Then it sat there for another week. And oh, I said, you know what? what you know what I'm going to do? You're going to pick it up. I'm going to rise above because I'm the HOA president. I'm a good Sorry. guy. Yeah. I've been practicing my journey. Mm-hmm. And so I went ahead. I pulled the dumpster out. There you go. I brought my outdoor broom and my oversized dustpan. I swept all that up. This is what enlightened people do. And I and I cleaned up after somebody else's garbage, and I threw it in the dumpster. That's nice. Because uh, a trash on the ground attracts rats. There you go. So a week or so later, someone, boom, food containers, all sorts of garbage on the ground. So me, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing it again. Are I don't want to the, become you, the garbage guy. Are you do, approaching this as a resident or are you approaching Both. this as HOA president? Both. So I send out a mildly worded email. I, li- I like your hat today. It says Prez 2020. Prez, are, yeah. you, are you running for HOA again this fall? No, I'm, I, I want it like nobody else will do it. Okay. So I send out this group email. Hey, everybody. If your garbage didn't make it into the dumpster, can you please go clean it up? It attracts rats. Yeah. And so nobody cleans it up. Have you seen any rats? So I have seen some rats. Okay. So then uh, a couple days later, I go out. I take a picture. There's an Amazon box on the ground with the unit number on the box. So I take a picture of that, send it to that unit. And I said, hey, if this is your garbage, can you please go pick it up? Mm. She responded almost immediately. Hey, that. thank you. Appreciate that. So that, that 
person goes down, just picks up the box <laughs> and puts the box in the recycling bin. Emails me back, wasn't our trash, but I picked up the box. Wow. So now I'm now I, I'm escalating. So yes. now I write a note because I don't know if I have everybody's email. Okay. Now I tape it on the mailboxes. Mm. Hey, this is Ron, HOA Prez. If that's your garbage, which you can probably see because you can tell your takeout canisters and all the garbage, if it's yeah. your garbage, I said, please pick it up. Uh, you know, it attracts the rats. So tape that in front of the mailboxes, mm. assuming everyone's going to get their mail. So finally, after about two and a half weeks of someone's garbage sitting on the ground at the dumpster, someone finally cleaned it up. I, I'm, I'm tempted now to go put like a giant thank you note. Might have been me. Onto the, the garbage can. Am I in the wrong there? Should I have picked up the garbage the second time around? You're, I did it once with to, the Q-tips. You're not supposed to start writing these notes till you're well into your 60s. So I think you're- I gotta little, be note guy. I think you're a little early on this. Oh, yeah. what do you, do you just let the garbage sit there? Uh, no, I just go pick it up. So Someone else's garbage. Yeah. I, I did it the first time. The second time I was, I drew I a, a line. I have back alley garbage cans, so my stuff gets stuff gets thrown in there. Garbage cans get taken. Lids are stolen. All kinds of stuff. I just don't so want to become garbage Graffiti, guy. everything else. So there's a, Pick I, up your garbage, people. I'm just glad I'm... I didn't, I didn't know you had this kind of power and this kind of sway. Oh, I'm I'm a note writer. Don't, don't get me started. That's awesome. All right. Hey, uh, Carmen Best just got a note. From Mayor Jenny Durkin, uh, some say that the police chief here was pushed out. Uh, she is saying she's resigning. Uh, what is happening here in the city of Seattle uh, as we talk about defunding the police? And should we really be thinking about maybe just rethinking the police? Would that be a better title for that? Let's come back and talk about that. It's the Ronna Don Show, episode 142, only on the Ronna Don Radio Network. Hey, it's Ron and Don here for Les Schwab, and you know, every time we broadcast, we're live from the Les Schwab studios, and you know what's so cool about Les Schwab? A lot of you are getting ready to hit the road again. You've taken a summer trip. Now you're taking a second summer trip before we get to school, before you do that. Make sure you stop by Les Schwab Tire Center, get a free pre-trip safety check before you hit the road. Yeah, right? and tires and wheels are only two parts of the essential safety checklist. It also includes alignment, battery, brakes, and shocks. And while a lot of other tire places don't offer that, Les Schwab does. Les Schwab knows that your family's safety is riding on more than your tires. So here's a little tip I learned. You can get all of those parts checked out with a free pre trip safety check. Let the pros at Les Schwab do the visual inspection of your vehicle's safety components, including alignment, shocks, brakes, and more. Schedule it. Get to a pre-trip safety check at leschwab.com or stop by your local Les Schwab or stop by your local Les Schwab Tire Center. That's Les Schwab. Doing the right thing matters. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. That's what Peter did. I moved over to Kitsap County across from Seattle, and it was becoming more difficult to manage the triplex 
So I thought maybe I should check with them about whether it would be a good time to sell. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. And because I lived over in Kitsap County, it was going to be difficult for some of the general contractor type things. So I said, well, if you guys will do that, I'm, I'm ready to put it on the market. So they took over when the landscape person and didn't do a very good job in their opinion, they came over and redid it. <laughs> and they didn't charge me anything for that. So I, I was very thankful for that. We went on the market. We had multiple offers. We had one fella that offered $50,000 more than the asking price. And in addition, he had no contingencies. So I jumped on that one. The important thing to me was my son is in college and he was getting ready to go to the UW and I've been renting him one of my apartments so I needed to find a, a replacement for him. Ron uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying. He gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places, made an offer on one, but didn't get that one, made an offer on a second one and did get that one. And uh, it was just, it was a very smooth process. I would very much work with them again. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to The Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network, ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, episode 142 of The Ron and Don Show here in Seattle. I have people reach out to me all the time from other places around the country, and they're like, hey, is everything okay there? And I'm like, yeah, why don't you think everything's okay? Uh, one of the reasons, when you look at COVID-19, uh, some people think it was born right here in Kirkland, Washington. And uh, other people say, well, maybe it got to start in California, but surely on the West Coast here somewhere. And then uh, the state of Washington has actually done a pretty good job at tamping down on, on COVID-19. And as a result of that, as a result of that, um, as we pivot now, when we look at the city itself, a lot of pressure here on Mayor Jenny Durkin to defund the police, a lot of pressure on Chief Carmen Best to deal with some of the riots that have happened here. And she's had dozens and dozens of officers hurt. And of course, she's the first African-American chief uh, that we've had here in the city of Seattle. And now it sounds like Carmen Best is stepping aside and she is resigning. Ron, I have to say, this was a complete shocker to me. Absolutely. Don and I, full disclosure, have met Carmen Best uh, and are friendly with Carmen Best. I like Carmen Best. And so, but, you know, set that off to the side for a second. How do you not view this through a racial lens? So the, the part that you just gave a great recap, but in between there was the George Floyd death. That, to me, was the spark that lit this fire. So we had COVID-19, then you have George Floyd, then you have all of these unrest, you have CHOP that happens, and Carmen Best and, and Jenny Durkin actually uh, pulled officers out of that East Precinct, and, and I thought that that was an interesting call. We, you can go back and listen to those episodes when if you want on my take on that. But now... You have Carmen Best. So you have the city council now feeling pressure from their constituents to say defund the police. Shama Sawant, uh, uh, Gonzalez, all of these, these women that are on the council. I find it very ironic 
that their first move is to take the city's first African-American female police chief that rose through the ranks and say, we're chopping your salary, that that's the first move. How do you not view that? If I'm Carmen Best, that is racial discrimination defined. So it's like, okay, so I, and if you remember, and you talk about this all the time, she wasn't even a candidate for police chief. They were flying in men from all across America to interview for this police chief job. And it was the community and the officers within the SPD that said, time out. Why are you overlooking Carmen Best? She should at least be a candidate, if not the chief. Then kudos to Jenny Durkin, who changed course midstream and said, you know what, you're right. I'm going to now include her as a candidate. And after everybody was interviewed, they said she's the best candidate. And so she's hired at a time when it was difficult to find great candidates for the police chief job because of all the oversight going on federally. If I'm Carmen Best and you know she that I don't say, you know, I'm assuming she was forced out. Like, this doesn't happen organically on this day where she sees a quitter. If anything, Carmen Best has proved through her career, she has a lot of perseverance. She has a lot of grit. I don't think she goes, oh, I'm just going to quit now that I am the chief. And just because we're having these machinations going on in the city council. The other thing we've learned about Jenny Durkin, she doesn't like to do things out in front and transparent. She likes to become lawyerly and go behind closed doors and do horse trading behind closed doors and not tell anybody about it. That's her move. We saw that with the Amazon tax that was going on, where she said one thing publicly and then went behind closed doors and negotiated negotiated that's how she likes to operate so something's going on behind closed doors and by the way kudos to our pal dory monson who broke this story and, and brandy cruz a former colleague that broke this story last night um i can, if i'm carmen best i am saying this is the very definition of of racial discrimination um, so you're saying that the first black African-American police chief that has been given praise from within the organization and without uh, that your first move is to reduce my salary and force me out. That, that's outrageous. Yeah. What I'm really confused about, and those are all great points, Ron, is I went back and I looked at some of the comments that some of these current city council members made to actually get on the city council. And four of them said that we need pol more police officers. And they did that old comparison that everybody does. They compared us to Seattle, uh, or they compare Seattle to Boston. And they say, hey, Boston is a similar city, our size, and they have hundreds of more police officers than we have here. So many of them ran on the promise that they were going to hire 200 more police officers here in the city of Seattle. Don't forget everything that was happening here in Seattle and even with the heroin epidemic and even with uh, the crisis that we have, homelessness, people living in tents and all that, that hasn't gone away. It just hasn't been under the microscope and it hasn't been on the news every night at five o'clock. But truth be told, now that you've gotten rid of these teams that go in and clean up these tent encampments, the tent encampments, when they go in to clean, you guys, you have to understand, because we've been out to these tent encampments, there aren't dozens, there aren't even hundreds. We're talking about thousands of rats 
everywhere in these bigger tent encampments. And one of the reasons why they want to go in and clean up is because when they go in and clean up, they're then able, these navigation teams, to offer people services to see if they want to come off the streets. And some of them do sometimes. So the things that happen in these tent encampments that a lot of folks that are pro-tenant encampment don't tell you about is there's a drug dealer in every single one of those tenant encampments. We went out with the Union Gospel Mission and they pointed to the different drug dealers and the drug dealers and their tents. Uh, and so what we're doing now is we've gotten, we've gotten rid of one of the best weapons that the Seattle Police Department had, which then was the navigation team. And they would go out, these were police officers, but they were also social workers and they know the people that are living on the streets and they know how to get them help. Secret weapon right there. Also, if the Seattle City Council now is going to go out and say, we need less police officers, they should explain that. Because you ran telling all of us that you were going to provide 200 more police officers. And now you're talking about uh, hundreds of police officers losing their jobs here in the city of Seattle. Then you said you're going to defund the police. And you're going to cut 50% on the budget. Well, then you ended up only cutting $4 million. But part of that, part of that was to take Carmen Best and really embarrass her embarrass her by going after her and her command staff and paying her much less money than you've paid another police chief. And when you compare her pay to other police chiefs around the country, uh, she's already getting paid quite a bit less compared to other chiefs. And she's come out and said they did not even include her in these budget talks. Yeah. Like if you're going to chop a budget, don't you want to include the person whose budget you're chopping? Yeah. Like you're both working. Supposedly you're on the same team. You're both working for the city of Seattle. Yeah. So I don't get the defund the police thing. I think this has really been, and, and someone should step forward and show some leadership here. We, I, I think what people have agreed to is we're, we will agree to rethinking the police. Let's rethink the police and let's rethink the way that we're spending our dollars. And could we come up with a different team rather than an navigation team? And if you're Jenny Durkin, don't you stand up? If I'm Jenny Durkin, I'm saying, I do not accept your resignation. Oh, she we, probably, we, forced, are, she probably I know, forced the resignation. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If I'm Jenny Durkin, I go, I'm not accepting your resignation. We have a black woman police chief in a town. You're saying that black lives matter. Here's a black life. Mm-hmm. What better advocate do you want, community, than having a black woman running the police chief? Like, if you can't, what better advocate would you want running the police? Yeah, they're going to that. So, like, if I'm Jenny Durkin, I say, Carmen, I do not accept your your resignation. We want you to be the police chief. Let's get in the same room with the city council and figure this thing out because we're all on the same team here. We all want a more fair and equitable uh, community in Seattle and, and around here. We all want for every citizen, regardless of the color of your skin, to feel included by the police and not you know, preyed on by the police. So we have an advocate here that's already the chief. How are you going to replace her with a better advocate for what they're asking for? We're going to do a nationwide search and what? Find another higher qualified black woman to come in and run it? Like what... It doesn't make any sense. Like, this does not make any sense at all. Yeah, well, she has a great attorney in Ann Bremner, and we know that Ann Bremner just won... The uh, Cox Powell case, $98 million the state has to pay. And it'll be interesting to see if this ends up in court somewhere too. Because in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of this movement with Black Lives Matter, what you the, the hardest place to stand is in the middle. That's the hardest place to stand. The easiest place to stand is to take a black and white stance. 
just, you know what? Put the hammer down on these people. All lives matter, not just black lives. Let's put the hammer down. And you step over the line, law and order. And that's what you're seeing right now from the president when he sent in basically federal troops into Seattle and Portland and some other places. And we'll probably see more of that. Or it's really easy to stand on the other side and go defund the police. I hate the police. The police are pigs. Get rid of the police. We don't need police departments. You can stand on that side. To stand in the middle where she was standing and what we're finding out, it's what George Bush found out when he went to Iraq. It's, it, it's not one side against the other. It's 18 different tribes against themselves. And in this particular case, there's not two sides. There's eight sides. There's nine sides. There's 10 sides. And Carmen Bess was doing a great job of standing in the middle of all this and being a bridge builder to different communities. And I think Carmen Best today is still the best person for the job. We have to stand up for women. We have to stand up for women of color. This is not okay. It is not okay. And if you want to defund the police, good luck. You want to rethink the police, I'm with you. It's the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, episode 142. Thanks for listening to Ron and Don Show, and our thanks to Les Schwab for sponsoring us. We are live from the Les Schwab studios, and as we head into fall, can you believe it? We're heading into fall already. A lot of people thought we'd be talking about the second wave of COVID-19. Seems like we're still in the first wave. And then you have Major League Baseball out there just just trying to keep playing games. You look at the NBA. They're going to try to keep playing games. You look at the NFL. What is their plan going to be uh, as we head towards an NFL season? And then you look at college sports. And some of college sports out there, Ron, are just pulling the plug all together, right? Well, rumors are swirling. And by the time this show uh, hits your podcast player, it might already be announced. So the rumor is, is that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are just going to cancel their seasons. And that the SEC, where uh, call, you know college football is king in the SEC, that they're still trying to figure out a way to salvage a season. And um, so people are sort of falling onto both sides of this issue. And I look at this and go, what is, why, why would you continue with this? Mm-hmm. You're talking about college-age kids. So 19 to 23, maybe 2022, uh, you know, very young men that are uh, given a scholarship for at these big programs, so like a Pac-12 type of school for basically the entertainment of society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've talked about this Pac-12, a lot of athletes have come out and said, hey, w- we can't make any money off of our image and likeness. You're destroying our bodies. 98% of us don't make it to pro status. And uh, you're using up our, our mostly black and brown bodies for your entertainment for television shows. And they make, make some good points. So when we look at this, the press to continue this is all about money, right? The, the famous quote, uh, the answer to all your questions is money. If we can't fill up Husky Stadium with people, I'm not going to a game and standing with 70,000 people to watch a football game. Are you kidding me? So most likely you wouldn't be able to have any people in the stands, which then takes us to the, the, the television contracts. So you have a television network for the Pac-12 and then national ESPNs and ABCs and uh, CBSs of the world that have paid 
you know, hundreds of millions, if not billion plus dollars to televise college football. And all of that infrastructure is there. Contracts are in place. Advertising contracts are in place. So a lot of things need to be unwound if you cancel this. I don't get how you continue uh, with a straight face and not just say, we want to put the lives of these young men at risk so that we can fulfill our monetary needs. That's, that's the bottom line. You have to cancel this season. Like, how, how do you get 100-plus people... A minimum number of people it takes to run a college football program, 125, maybe 150, all the trainers, all the equipment guys, all the coaching staff, all the players, all your backups, all your, you know, your, uh, what's the, the squad team, the practice squad team, like just to run drills and stuff week in and week out, maybe 125, 150 people. Has anybody had 150 people together <laughs> with not been in a bubble that has been able to keep them healthy? No. So, I, I mean, I don't see how you don't cancel this. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, though. Yeah, I think the important thing is at this 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 point, I think we're all big boys and girls, and, and we just have to know ahead of time. Like, even for school systems around the country, and I, I included Seattle in this, to wait for the very last moment to go, uh, we're going to virtually go online. Uh, classes start next week. It's it's not real helpful, and, and I think even for a lot of these student athletes, there's such a big wind up. Like I think of our friend Chris Sullivan, and he 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 works at Cairo. His son uh, is going to play for Montana State this year, and so he's Chris went drove him out there. He relocated him. It's a ten hour drive. He had to find him an apartment. Uh, he's a special teams guy. He's a long snapper. So. Uh, uh, Tommy's a long snapper. He is uh, roomed with a couple other guys from other parts of the country. And this has been a lifelong dream. Yeah, to play and college so, football. And, and so, in the midst of all this, you know, Chris has his number fifty-seven jersey and everything else. In the midst of all this, uh, they went ahead and they said, "Hey, we're not going to cancel the season. We're going to move it, and we're going to move it to next spring." Right. And I think that just becomes very, very difficult because you're, okay, we're not going to do it in the fall. We're going to do it in the spring. Chances are, will we still have COVID-19 in the spring? Absolutely. And I think what we need to do, and for a lot of these schools, they keep putting that carrot out there because a lot of these economies depend on these kids coming to these schools. And even if they just sit at home, at least they're back in this school community, a place like Bellingham, for instance, you're back in Bellingham and maybe you're taking a lot of your classes online, but you're still spending money in that community. And I think that's part of the play here for a lot of these universities are like, how do we get kids to come back here? Well, the Montana when in reality, the world, well, in reality, what they could really do is just sit at home take some classes and courses like this and pay much less because a lot of these schools are still oh, going to charge full tuition and you're sitting at home on a zoom call and you don't even need to go to Pullman it's, if you don't want it's, to. I think it's outrageous. And you know, the Montana States of the world are very different than the PAC 12 and the big 10, the PAC 12 university of Washington down to Stanford have endowments in the billions of dollars. And so if this is not a rainy day to tap into your rainy day fund, I don't know what is. And so I think it's shameful that something like the University of Washington or somebody like Stanford, who has billions of dollars in play, uh, doesn't step up and use some of that money and deploy some of that money uh, during this time. Um, so to sit back and go, yeah, boy, we really could use that TV contract money. Really could use that money when uh, you know UW goes to play Notre Dame. 
and we get you know a, a couple million dollars for that, or when UW goes and plays Alabama. Yeah. And it's a nationally televised game, and we get a couple million dollars for that. Mm. Shame on you! Like yeah. <laughs> these are you're supposed to be an institution of higher learning. Protecting your your student body should be priority number one. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and I'm a huge football fan, as you know. Like I love watching college football games and going to a barbecue and you know putting you know rooting for your team. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. Like I you know I was the first one to show up at the national championship game and we made some gumbo and everybody you know it was great. Mm-hmm. But like not at the expense of doing it during a pandemic. It just I think that this rumor is going to come true today and cooler heads are going to prevail. But um, charging full freight to give an inferior product makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, President Putin in Russia today says that he has a vaccine, and they've gone ahead and approved it, and uh, they're going to start scaling it up. I hope it's I hope it's true. Problem is, he skipped a couple human trials along the way. So they're calling it Sputnik 5. Right. I hope that it's true. Sputnik 5. I would love nothing more for the, for that to be a true story. There you go. Okay. Anyway. Hey, thanks for stopping by, you guys. We really appreciate you. Uh, he's Ron. I'm Don. Don't forget, you can reach out to us. We're licensed brokers at Windermere. We do something called a Ron and Don sit down, and we've been doing these a lot lately, and they're a lot of fun. So if you need some help in your real estate journey, you're buying, you're selling, you're thinking about investing or reinvesting, uh, you're thinking about a forever home or downsizing or just finding that office, right? A lot of us are looking for office space right now. So maybe that office space is right near your home. Just reach out to us. Ron at Windermere.com or Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Everything is up on our new website, ronanddonsitdown.com. All right. Thanks for listening to episode 142. We appreciate you. You keep your head up, your shoulders back, and we'll see you next time only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, it's G-Force O'Neill, brains of this operation, and the voice of the Ron and Don Show. Well, that's it. Show's over. We'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Yeah.